Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be with you. I always am happy to be with you. This is Easter Thursday, first class feast. Easter is an eight-day octave. That's redundant. It's either, it's an octave, which means it's eight days. Every day is first class. Every day during this week, the hallelujah and the gloria is said at the mass. Truly, truly, truly wonderful. Now, I know that we are up to our ears in the ceiling and the heavens with um, vaccine information, but I'm keeping a little track of it, and um, the evil is spreading overnight. I keep thinking of Hillary Clinton's statement that we should not waste a good um, crisis, and it's not a crisis, it's not a pandemic, The vaccine is not a vaccine. It's a pathogen, and it's killing people and destroying people and uh, changing our makeup, tracking us. It's completely evil. It's simply a way to control the population of the world. And um, there's so many articles I've read on it that... um, I don't want to read them to you because you can get them as well and they're not, not not very good to read. But I do want to read one to you. Um, it was actually this past December on the moral lit- illicitness, the moral illicitness of the use of vaccines made from cells derived from aborted human fetuses. And I want to read this. It's a few months ago written by four outstanding um, prelates, prelates uh, bishops of the church. Uh, let me get you their names. I've writ- written, uh, read other articles by them. Cardinal Janis Pujat, a Metropolitan Archbishop Emeritus of Riga. Uh, it's in Russia. Uh, Tomasz Pita, Metropolitan Archbishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana, Jan Powell Lenga, Archbishop uh, Emeritus of Karaganga, this is all in um, Russia, um, Joseph Strickland, who's our bishop in Tyler, Texas, um, and Athanasius Snyder, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana written in December, actually, on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I don't think I've read this before. The reason I'd like to read it now, even if I have, is because of the what we've heard from um, the majority of bishops in the United States, at least those who have been outspoken, saying that it's an act of charity, and the Church says it's all right. I think the Holy Father himself saying it's an act of charity to take the um, uh, vaccine. Hold on. Excuse me. Never come in once. 
um, that the church says it's okay to take the vaccine. Well, the church does not say it's okay. People in the church say it's okay. And you say, Mother, come on, the Holy Father has said it's okay. Yes, he has. The Holy Father is not infallible. He is protected by the Holy Spirit from error. And the gift of infallibility um, is in play, so to speak, in force when he teaches on faith and morals that are binding on the faithful. But this, uh, this Pope, uh, and very, very few Popes have ever done that, ever taught any particular doctrines of faith or morals that are binding on the faithful. And so the Pope is a fallible human being, as we are. He speaks his opinions, which may or may not be in union with church teaching, um, but in this case, um, it is illicit, it is wrong, it is immoral to take vaccines made from or tested with um, aborted human fetuses. Um, and the subtitle, uh, sub-statement here, vaccines derived from the cells of cruelly murdered unborn children are clearly apocalyptic in character and may possibly foreshadow the mark of the beast. That's Revelation chapter 13, that reference. And I said it yesterday, I've said it before, um, I'm not saying it's the mark of the beast, but it's acting like the mark of the beast. Um, I saw an article, a little video yesterday produced by some people in Canada because they are already, uh, and here in the United States, um, (coughs) denying people communion if they do not have the vaccination, in some cases denying them confession. Um, If they go into a parish, if they don't have a vaccine, they have to sit in one part of the church together. And those who have been vaccinated sit in another section of the church, still with masks, still social distancing with the vaccine. This is an insanity. Excuse me, dear ones. Oh, sorry. So I'm going to read you this article, um, and I believe every word of it, this is the teaching of the church. And it was published initially in December on LifeSite News, and it begins in recent weeks, but this is in December now. News agencies and various information sources have reported that in response to the COVID-19 emergency, Some countries have produced vaccines using cell lines from aborted human fetuses. In other countries, such vaccines are being planned. Um, A growing chorus of churchmen, bishops, conferences, individual bishops and priests has said that in the event that no alternative vaccine using ethically licit substances is available, it would be morally permissible for Catholics to receive vaccines made from the cell lines of of aborted babies. I'm letting you know it is not. It is not morally permissible. These are from prelates of the church, bishops, every one of them. Supporters of this position invoke two documents of the Holy See. The first from the Pontifical Academy for Life is titled Moral Reflections on Vaccines, 
prepared from cells derived from aborted human fetuses and was issued in June of 2005. The second is from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, entitled Instruction um, uh, Dignitas Personae on Certain Bioethical Questions and was issued September 8, 2008. Both these documents allow for the use of such vaccines in exceptional cases and for a limited time on the basis of what in moral theology is called remote, passive, material cooperation with evil. Remote, passive, material cooperation with evil. Beloved, I just a comment here. I'm a convert to the church. Um, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a philosopher. I'm a Catholic. And under no circumstances can we cooperate with evil. Remote, passive, material cooperation with evil under no circumstances. Mother, what is your problem? The church says it's okay. It is not okay. Listen to this article. The aforementioned documents assert that Catholics who use such vaccines in this, at the same time have, quote, the duty to make known their disagreement and to ask that their health care system make other types of vaccines available, end quote. These, what these um, documents allowing remote passive, there's nothing passive, material cooperation. We never cooperate with evil. In the case of vaccines made from the cell lines of aborted human fetuses, we see a clear contradiction between the Catholic doctrine to categorically and beyond the shadow of any doubt reject abortion in all cases as a grave moral evil that cries out to heaven for vengeance. That's straight from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, 2268. And the practice of regarding vaccines derived from aborted fetal cell lines is morally acceptable in exceptional cases of urgent need on the grounds of remote passive material cooperation to argue that such vaccines can be morally licit if there is no alternative is in itself contradictory and cannot be acceptable for Catholics. Oh, I can't stand that there's the music for our break already. Oh, dear. Um, we'll continue this, dear ones, when we come back um, right after the break and at the uh, second break. We'll have the half hour to ourselves for your calls, your texts, your emails. Our toll-free number, one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations thank you for helping to save the culture. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. We are right in the middle of an article that was actually written in December by five wonderful prelates, five bishops, four in Russia, and uh, Bishop Strickland in Texas, um, on the moral licitness of the vaccine if there's no alternative or in dire situation because so many of our shepherds are telling us it is okay to take it, um, uh, that it's an act of charity. Well, it's never an act of charity that uh, someone may be murdered, that I may live. That's no act of charity. And um, there's a document from the Vatican that says that we can take it on the grounds of remote passive material cooperation. And these prelates say to argue that such vaccines can be morally licit, that means okay, if there is no alternative, is in itself contradictory, cannot be acceptable for Catholics. The article continues, one ought to recall the following words of Pope John Paul II regarding the dignity of unborn human life, quote, the inviolability of the person which is a reflection of the absolute inviolability of God refines its primary and fundamental expression in the inviolability of human life. Above all, 
the common outcry which is justly made on behalf of human rights, for example, the right to health, to home, to work, to family, to culture, is false and illusory if the right to life, the most basic and fundamental right, and the condition for all other personal rights, is not defended with maximum determination. Using, end quote from John Paul II, Christopher Daly's Laichi, using vaccines made from the cells of murdered, murdered beloved, murdered unborn children contradicts a maximum determination to defend unborn life. The theological principle of material cooperation is certainly valid and may be applied to a whole host of cases, such as in paying taxes, the use of products made from slave slave labor, and so on. However, this principle can hardly be applied to the case of vaccines made from fetal cell lines, because those who knowingly and voluntarily receive such vaccines enter into a kind of concatenation, albeit very remote, with the process of the abortion industry. The crime of abortion is so monstrous that any kind of concatenation with this crime, even a very remote one, is immoral and cannot be accepted under any circumstances by a Catholic once he has become fully aware of it. One who uses these vaccines must realize that his body is benefiting from the fruits, all those steps removed through a series of chemical processes, the fruits of one of mankind's greatest crimes. Any link to the abortion process, even the most remote and implicit, will cast a shadow over the church's duty to bear unwavering witness to the truth that abortion must be utterly rejected. The ends cannot justify the means. We are living through one of the worst genocides known to man. Millions upon millions of babies across the world have been slaughtered in their mother's womb. And day after day, this hidden genocide continues through the abortion industry, biomedical research, and fetal technology, and a push for governments and international bodies to promote such vaccines as one of their goals. Now is not the time for Catholics to yield. To do so would be grossly irresponsible. The acceptance of these vaccines by Catholics, and I'll say our shepherds, on the grounds that they involve only a remote, passive, and material cooperation with evil would play into the hands of the church's enemies and weaken her as the last stronghold against the evil of abortion. What else can a vaccine derived from fetal cell lines be other than a violation of the God-given order of creation? For it is based on a serious violation of this order, through the murder of an unborn child. Had this child not been denied the right to life, had his cells, which have been further cultivated several times in the lab, 
not been made available for the production of a vaccine, they could not be marketed. We therefore have here a double violation of God's holy order. On the one hand, through the abortion itself, and on the other hand, through the heinous business of trafficking and marketing the remains of aborted children. Yet this double disregard for the divine order of creation can never, N-E-V-E-R, never, beloved, be justified, not by the Pope himself, not by a bishop, not by any one of us, can never be justified. It is not an act of charity that I should live, that I should not spread the disease to other people and I and others should benefit based on the murder of unborn children. There's no way. I'm picking up where I left off here. Um... This double disregard for the divine order of creation can never be justified, not even on the grounds of preserving the health of a person or society through such vaccines. Our society has created a substitute religion. Health has been made the highest good, a substitute God to whom sacrifices must be offered. In this case, through a vaccine based on the death of another human life. Dear ones, can you imagine how far we have sunk in our Catholic faith right up to the top of the Vatican? How far we have sunk to say that it's an act of charity for us to stay alive based on the murder of a child The article continues, in examining the ethical questions surrounding vaccines, we have to ask ourselves, how and why did all of this become possible? Was there truly no alternative? Why did murder-based technology emerge in medicine, whose purpose is instead to bring life and health? Biomedical research that exploits the innocent unborn and uses their bodies as raw material for the purpose of vaccines seems more akin to cannibalism than medicine. We also ought to consider that for some in the biomedicine industry, the cell lines of unborn children are a product. The abortionist and vaccine manufacturer are the supplier. And the recipients of the vaccine are consumers. Makes me sick to read this. Technology based on murder is rooted in hopelessness and ends in despair. We must resist the myth that there is no alternative. Beloved, what's that got to do with murder? There's no alternative. Unless I murder someone... There's no alternative to my staying alive unless I murder someone? What sort of insanity is that? We must resist the myth that there's no alternative. On the contrary, 
we must proceed with hope and conviction that alternatives exist and that human ingenuity, with the help of God, can discover them. This is the only way to pass from darkness to light, from death to life. The Lord said that in the end times, even the elect will be seduced. Mark chapter 13. Today, the entire church and all Catholic faithful must urgently seek to be strengthened in the doctrine and practice of the faith. In confronting the evil of abortion, more than ever, Catholics must abstain from all appearance of evil. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Bodily health is not an absolute value. Obedience to the law of God and the external salvation of the souls must be given primacy. Vaccines derived from the cells of cruelly murdered unborn children are clearly apocalyptic in character and may possibly foreshadow the mark of the beast. Some churchmen in our day may reassure the faithful by affirming that in receiving a COVID-19 vaccine derived from the cell lines of an aborted child is morally licit if an alternative is not available. Where did anybody get that idea? Yes, you just gave birth to a child. You know what? There's no alternative to that person's health, so I'll kill your child and then they'll be able to live. What kind of logic is that? But the child is still in the womb. It's still a child. There's no difference inside and outside the womb. It's still a child. Hide a human being in the closet so you can't see him or her, and you can shoot him because you can't see him. So it's not murder? Yipes. Where are we now? Some churchmen, I'll start this again, in our day reassure the faithful by affirming that receiving a COVID-19 vaccine derived from the cell lines of an aborted child is morally licit if an alternative is not available. What kind of an alternative to, to murder do you need? They justify their assertion on the basis of material and co- remote cooperation with evil, with evil. Such affirmations are extremely anti-pastoral and counterproductive, especially when one considers the increasingly apocalyptic character of the abortion industry and the human nature of some biomedical research and embryonic technology. Now more than ever, Catholics categorically cannot encourage and promote the sin of abortion even in the slightest, by accepting these vaccines. Therefore, as successors of the apostles and shepherds responsible for the eternal salvation of souls, we, these are the five prelates, all bishops writing this, we consider it impossible to be silent and maintain an ambiguous attitude regarding our duty to resist with maximum determination against the unspeakable crime of abortion. I love these shepherds, beloved. Edmund Burke said the only thing needed for evil to prevail is for 
good men to stay silent. I bless God for these good men of the church who speak out against evil. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy Thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so thrilled to be with you. And we have a whole half hour now all to ourselves. Um, call in with anything on your heart. Our lines are uh, wide open, and the toll-free number to call or text is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com and I'm reminded at the beginning of every half hour to let you know about the fundraiser that LifeSite News has set up for us, lifefunder.com forward slash D-O-M-M-O-I-H. We have, I think, three weeks to go or less and we need close to $100,000 in three weeks. We had yesterday, we were 51% funded. No, um, 50% with 101,000. Today we're 51% um, funded with 102,000. So God bless you. Um, there's over the close to 800, uh, 762 uh, donors so far. 
um, I've written a letter that LifeSite is sending to everyone who donates, and I look it through every day and read the messages and pray for you and hug you in my heart. It's so, so wonderful. We have two women uh, visiting us this week for a few days, um, really lovely, uh, and who will be with us when we move into the new house. And so we're taking them over to the big house today, and um, we haven't purchased it yet, but um, we're going to need um, 225000 to purchase it. That's over 100000 less than it was selling for. And then we're going to need another hundred or 200000 to make it into a convent. So add some bathrooms and 15 cells and all of that. So um, we are thrilled about it. And we are we bless LifeSite News for assisting us this way. 22 days to go. That's one day over three weeks for close to $100,000. And we trust God, and so many of you have been so, so, so very generous. Um, we've had some very large donations, and um, many, many $10, $25, $50 donations. We bless God for every single one of you. Um, so we are going to go now to your calls and your emails, and um, and let me see. Uh, where we're going to start. I think we are going to begin with an email. And why is this not helping me here? Hold on now. There it is. We're going to begin with an email that I took yesterday in part, or the day before, I can't remember now. It's a text from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother. I was wondering about the verse Ephesians 4.30, A Protestant tried using this verse to prove that we are once saved, always saved. Well, I looked it up, and Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. How are we sealed until the day of redemption? Where and how does the Holy Spirit seal us? In through baptism. That's how we are sealed. And in baptism, we are born again. We are born from above. And we are become children of God. And we have a seal on us. And nothing can ever separate us uh, from uh, being children of God. And this was uh, something that I looked at coming into the Catholic Church. The whole idea of once saved, always saved. Um, and actually the Catholic Church does teach that. You'll be surprised. But I want to say here that though we are sealed into the day of redemption, yes, it is, and during the second uh, judgment, the final judgment, when God will separate the wheat from the chaff and that um, uh, the wheat will go into everlasting life and the chaff or the goats from the sheep will go into everlasting punishment. Those who are baptized, those who have been, those who have been saved of redemption, if they have turned from God along the way, they will be in hell. They will be where the chaff goes. Yet they will be children of God, sealed for the day of redemption, which means there will be children of God in hell. Yes, there will, dear ones. That's a shock to many, and many of you won't believe me, but that's true. Um, the doctrine of once saved, always saved is correct, but not as 
the Protestant world believes it. Um, St. Peter said, now is your redemption nearer than it was. Every single day we are being sanctified. We are growing in the faith and nurture of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will one day awaken his likeness in his image. Um, We are being transformed uh, from glory to glory. There's no question about that. Um, And once we are saved, we are always saved. Romans uh, chapter 8 says, Whom he... Um, oh, I've got to look it up to get it. Whom he foreknew, those he called and who he called, he justified, whom he justified, he sanctified, whom he sanctified, he glorified. Let me just see this. Eight, I think it's verse 28 to 30. Let me just look this up for a moment. Um, Yes. For whom... He did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Ephesians confirmed that. We are chosen in him. He has known us before the foundation of the world. And it says, verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Salvation is a process, dear ones, from being called um, to being justified um, to being glorified. And when Peter says, now is our salvation nearer than it ever was, he's speaking to those who are called and who are justified and who are being sanctified because we're nearer glory than we ever have been. And once we are in glory, once we die and are before the face of God, once saved, ultimately always saved. That's true. Once saved, always saved. Absolutely true. But once saved, there are many who began this journey, but they will not remain um, on the path to heaven. They will not remain saved or glorified. But those are the only people um, that can see God, that can be in heaven. Um, Okay, now, I, don't, I hope I helped you somewhat with that. We have um, an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm writing to you as a follow-up question to my previous recent email. My last email was about my son, excuse me, my non-Catholic husband, showing our children things that are Protestant. Yes, I do remember you. You were not able to complete my email due to your show ending. So sorry. I I, I try to complete that during the next program. The comment you made was to let my husband, yes, I remember this, to let my husband show our children things that are not Catholic. Yes, because apparently he's a faithful non-Catholic Christian. So he's reading to them from the Bible, and it's the same. Anything he reads from Scripture he could be reading from Catholic scripture. The difference is that there are books of the Catholic Bible that are missing. But what's in the New Testament is identical. And what's in the Old Testament, again, there are books missing from the Old Testament, but what is in there is the same as the Protestant Old Testament or the Catholic Old Testament. No problem there. 
Uh, let's see, she continues. Uh, this has greatly confused me because almost three years ago you advised me to not show our children anything that was Catholic. Um, and I'm taking your email in pieces here. That's correct. That is correct because you married a non-Catholic man, which was not a good idea, and he promised, uh, which he had to in order to marry you in the church, that you would raise the children Catholic. If you're going to raise the children Catholic, you're going to show them Catholic material. There's no question. I'm not going to suggest um, that you show your children um, uh, what is Catholic, but what you're saying of late is that your husband is not respecting that vow, and he is teaching them Catholic, non-Catholic things. So he's not agreeing with the vow that he made. So now you have a new problem. Um, she continues, you even suggested that I have a conversation with my husband about not showing our children anything that was not Catholic because it is a way of thinking. That's correct. That's what should have happened at your marriage. It should have been what he agreed to. I'm responding to your saying to me, he's gone back on his vows and he's teaching them what is Catholic. Um and you write, as well as to have my husband speak to his parents about sending us non-Catholic materials, right? Both his parents are ex-Catholics, and this is the advice that I have been using as my guide, and it hasn't been easy. My husband has never understood why I'm so strict on making sure things are authentically Catholic. I don't even play contemporary Christian music. Why is it that your advice has seemed to be opposite now? I admire all you do and truly take your advice to heart, and now I'm very confused. I do not wish to confuse our children and struggle with raising our children Catholic and their father not leading us in the Catholic faith. Um, okay, there's more to this, but let me say that three years ago, um, you uh, you were raising your children Catholic. You married a non-Catholic man. He agreed to that. And I said, just keep everything strictly Catholic. You don't need to show them non-Catholic books. You don't need to, them to listen to music that is not Catholic or anything that's not Catholic. But apparently, in your more recent email, it's a struggle in your marriage. And it's a struggle with your children. And your husband doesn't understand it. He's not keeping his vow. And your number one primary vocation is not uh, to um, struggle with your husband on what is Catholic and what is not. Your primary vocation is to love your husband and to respect your husband. Um, again, you married a non-Catholic man, and there's no way to marry someone who's not Catholic uh, if he's strong in his Christian faith and not have problems. No matter what he says, uh, he may not have ever understood the consequences of what it means of your being a faithful Catholic. But now he is strong in his faith and he's fighting you, and you cannot go on having this fight in your home. You need to love your husband if you're ever going to raise your children as Catholics. They need to see your example in loving and respecting your husband. So you're going to have to understand that now, because you've made that 
choice, he's not sticking with what he agreed with. He is strong in his faith. He does not understand the Catholic faith. He does not understand why you're so adamant. And you're going to raise your children in a broken home, and they're going to be out on their own, and they're going to leave the faith altogether. Don't do it. Raise them in a loving home. Respect your husband. And you're not going to be able to not allow him to teach your children. And when he does, be there with them and say, Honey, let me also explain the Catholic side of this. So the children here are full faith. Um, Yours and mine as different parts of Christianity. Let your children hear not a fight, not a negation, but a full understanding of Christianity. Um, and, And there's no other way for you to raise your children and have them to love God at this point. There's the music for our second break. When we come back, I'll continue with your email. And our lines are wide open if anyone wishes to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back. This is Emily Alcaraz from the Catholic Drive Time Show on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. Every morning, our team covers all the headlines, featuring guest interviews, daily scripture readings, and even weekly prize giveaways. With all the news from the Vatican to D.C., find out what you need to know before you get to work each morning. Tune in on weekdays from 7 to 8 a.m. The Catholic Drive Time Show will inspire you and keep you in the loop right here on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome. 
Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We're in the middle of a bit of a lengthy email, but it's a very important one. Someone who writes it, a wife who writes it anonymously, uh, and she says that she didn't know her faith when she married her Catholic, her Protestant husband, and um, she's struggling now because he's not respecting the fact, which he did when they married, that the children would be raised Catholic, and he's trying to teach them non-Catholic doctrine and read from a Protestant Bible. And I, I want to assure you, don't fight that. He can read from a Protestant Bible. As Martin Luther uh, himself said, we wouldn't have the Bible if the Catholic Church didn't give it to us. He took out seven-plus books. He took out more but his own people made him put them back. Uh, but they're all from the Old Testament. The New Testament is identical, and the Old Testament is just fine, but it's missing those books. You should never be afraid to read the Bible with him, even if it's a Protestant edition. Um, and she continues, there was also another question about my husband in my previous email that you were not able to answer. Here it is again. Um, my husband also always wants to show me verses and things about the end times and says that I need to know these things so that I'm not left behind. This is a good man that you're married to. He believes what he believes, and you should not shut him out. You should learn about your faith so you can begin to give him the Catholic responses to what he's telling you. Uh, and you write, this all aches my heart, but I know he is doing what he believes he, he is, and that these are the consequences of marrying a non-Catholic. It's more the consequence, dear one, of you are not knowing your Catholic faith. I also did not know my faith when I was married, and the parish we were married in did not make us take any marriage preparation classes. I recently told him, that's her husband, to please stop preaching these rapture end time things to me. Apologize to him for that. He is living his faith as you should be living yours. He believes this is what is needed for salvation. Don't ask him to go against his conscience. Don't do that. He is doing the right thing before God. What you need to do is learn what the Catholic understanding is of those exact same end time verses. And the best thing you can do right now is go to catholic.com, Catholic Answers, catholic.com, click on shop, S-H-O-P, type in end times, and you will have different publications. Everything's on sale right now, by the way. 20 answers to the end times. Um, you can buy it. You can download it as digital. Another book, What Jesus Really Said About the End of the World. Um, unlocking of the Book of uh, Revelation. Um, uh, uh, will Catholics be left behind? All of that. They are the best source you can have in the whole world to end times information. And you need to let your husband read exactly what he's reading and you need to read it with him and say sweetheart um this is good i've been wrong to not want to read the bible with you i've been wrong to
to not let you preach to me about this. My fault has been that I don't know my own faith. Shame on me. And I'm going to go get you those answers. I'm first going to get them for myself. And go to Catholic.com, go to their shop, purchase their materials on the end times. Um, and again, there are some wonderful books you can download uh, very inexpensively. Um, and so she says, um, uh, okay, let me go further here. Um, I recently told my husband to please stop preaching these raptured end times things to me. Don't tell him that. Because what you're telling him is that you're not saved and you don't know how to be saved. That's what it translates to him. And he believes he is saved. And if he doesn't tell you, he'll answer to God for that. He's doing what is right. And then you say, I always end up being in the wrong, the wrong one, because I do not wish to read the Bible with him. You should read the Bible with him, as he wants to show me these verses in order to convince me that my Catholic faith is wrong. The fact is, my dear one, that he is reading your Catholic faith. Every verse in the Bible is written by the Catholic Church. It's, it is your Catholic faith. Uh, Protestants have distorted Catholic meaning. They have, they have left behind the church Christ established, the papacy, the authority, the scriptures, the sacraments, everything. Don't worry about reading it. You are reading about your Catholic faith written by Catholics, but your, Protest your husband has gotten it from a Protestant view, and you need to answer him from a Catholic view. And then you continue to say, one little paragraph more, what can I do or not do? Well, I've been answering that. You must learn your Catholic faith. You must not fight him. Don't be defensive. Um, learn your faith and say, it's my weakness, sweetheart. It's my fault for not knowing my faith. Not the fault of the Catholic Church. I'm the one who hasn't learned my faith, but there's Catholic Answers. Subscribe to their magazine, Catholic Answers magazine. They are the number one lay-run apologetics apostolate in North America. I've been a full-time apologist on staff with them for nine years before starting this religious community. I have the utmost respect for them. They are people of integrity. Every penny anyone gives to them is wisely used and you will get um, answers in keeping with the magisterium. She says also, um, now she says, I live in constant worry of my husband showing or teaching our children things that the church does not teach. You're only going to help that, not by negating your husband, not by putting war between you and your husband, not by letting your children see uh, division, but by learning your faith so you don't have to say your dad is wrong. You can bring in truth. And she says, also, my husband does not attend a separate church, and we as a family attend a Latin parish. He really is such an incredible man and an example to me in all he does on a daily basis for us, and always with a loving and cheerful heart. I appreciate any device, any advice. Oh, that's funny. Uh, thank you and God bless. My dear one, you've married a saint. That's what I think. 
you have married a saint, a Protestant saint, to be sure, and he needs to come into full communion with the church. And you are charged with that. You are charged not with fighting him, not with denying him, not with being afraid to read the scriptures with him, not by telling him not to preach to you, but by getting answers. Go to Catholic.com. You will get all the answers you need. And if you uh, cannot get one, um, then uh, from their books, and you can type in any answer, any question in the little search box, you'll get anything you'll ever need. And if you need further help, just give them a call. Um, give them a call and tell. say you want to speak to an apologist, and they are very faithful about getting back to most people within two to four days. It's rare if they don't go back to you within four days because they're so swamped. But they will get back to you, and they will help you. The best resource you can have. So God bless you, dear one. Love your husband. Be docile. Submit to him. Say, sweetheart, I've been wrong, and I'm sorry to be fighting you. I'm sorry to be afraid. Scriptures with you. Um, I need to learn my faith. I'm the one that's failing myself and you and the children. And do that. And he will be extremely encouraged and open to listen to you. He'll want to counter you. Don't worry about that. You just feed him Catholic truth. God bless you. We'll speak with you all tomorrow.